0: Inspiration now
1: in inspiration, session. Inspire God's cool. guys keep cool. You are going to yeah, get what you gonna do till so you do what you said. When you open that Bible, you knew what you read. You felt it deep in your soul. The promise did not expire. Be inspired. Stop saying what
0: you gonna do, till you do what you said. When you open that Bible, you knew what you
1: read. What's up, guys, people? I'm your host, Jay Will, and this is Inspire Guys, people, where we balance faith and business to guide you to your purpose. Welcome to episode 184. I got a guest coming on today, Tanisha Johnson. She's an author, an editor, an entrepreneur. She calls herself an authorpreneur, a book bully. So we're going to talk about writing a book. This is for the people out there who want to learn how to write a book, the ideas and the concepts behind it. Or if you're a person who's like, man, you know what, I don't I don't believe I need to write no book. Maybe Tanisha can convince you. And also maybe me today. Maybe, who, who knows? Maybe I might write a book. You know how long people have been telling me to write a book? A very long time. But we're going to dig into that conversation. I do want to tell you on the front end, uh, today's episode, we're going to tackle some, m- 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 I can talk, I can talk, some mature content, you feel me? Um So I want you to know that ahead of time, uh, there are some um things that are a little, could be graphic for kids. I know that some people tend to listen to the show. You know, you might have a show going on with your kids in the car and things like that. So I just want to give you a heads up. This is what I would say as a 18 and up episode, um, just because of some of the things we tackle, not that they're not like bad, you know what I mean? They're within a context, but at the same time, we talk about, uh, really graphic or mature things or really serious issues. I like to give y'all that heads up so that you can make the decision about what your kids or, you know, um, what you call it? Minors should be also hearing um, as it relates to those things. So that's just to give you a heads up because I got love for y'all. Uh, but I think you're going to get a lot out of today's episode. Uh, and yeah, you know, it was a live stream. That's why I can do this. You know, if you're asking yourself, how does he know what they're about to talk about? It was a live stream uh, actually before my vacation. So let me i might as well just, you know, kick it on that. Just give me one minute. Went to Mexico last week. Had a great time in Mexico. Man, off the Caribbean Sea. That was that was beautiful. 85, 90 degree weather. You know what I'm saying? It was 19 degrees when I left home. So that felt good. We had a great time. Um, Had a great time out there with friends, celebrating our anniversaries. You know what I'm saying? Red, Katrina, we was out there. You know, I don't know if I should, you know... Red and Katrina might have been there. You know what I'm saying? I don't want to tell nobody business. Like, oh, y'all was in Mexico with Jay and Tiff. Look, we had a great time, uh, friends celebrating anniversary. So shout out to them. Much love, y'all. Uh Shout out to Tiff. Much love you. And um anniversaries and marriages and keeping them going. So thank God for that. But we were out there. So what happened was I think I recorded with Tanisha on the live stream like the night before we left or something like that. Because these interviews, you know, I book them. Uh, when I'm off of my corporate job you know later in the evening typically do these interviews and then um, I sometimes they book back to back and we were traveling and so I wasn't able to get the audio out before it was time to go to Mexico because I had to make some last minute stops so that's why you're getting this kind of a week late um, but still great a week late but great mm-hmm. week late but great mm-hmm. come on come on Lord Anyway, I appreciate my Apple podcast, my Spotify, um, Amazon Audible, Amazon Music. If you're listening via uh, audio, just know that I appreciate you and value you. We are trying to continue to grow the show through video and visuals, and we've been doing that on YouTube for a couple months now. Slowly but surely growing. Appreciate everybody who's watching on Facebook and all of those outlets as well. So if you're listening today and you hear comments and us referring to people, We're referring to the comments on the live stream. People were interacting and stuff like that. And if you want to see us, then feel free to just go follow Inspire Guys People at Inspire Guys People on YouTube or just put that in the search bar and you'll be able to subscribe to the show. I think I've talked about enough and we're about to jump into this interview. So, yeah, thank you again for rocking with us at Inspire Guys People, where we balance faith and business to guide you to your purpose. And I can talk, talk real fast if I need to. But do not try this at home. What up, Tanisha Johnson. Is hey With me How I you like feeling today? Here? Yeah Man, It's been a while We ain't talked to nothing like that But I'm excited to have you on today's show For the people out there Tanisha is an author An entrepreneur is how you describe yourself You know what I'm saying? Yes. I like that word Author, editor um, You call yourself a book bully We got a bunch of titles and things That we're going to learn all about your story today But yeah. welcome to the show, Tanisha Thank you so much. This was long awaited. I'm excited. Yeah. You know, on that, like on that note, we've, you know, we've known each other for a while. Do you remember when we met though? I'm going to test you real
0: quick. We met at Antoine Jackson's uh, workshop, maybe 10 years. Has it been 10 years?
1: I don't think it's been 10 years, but I think it's been seven to eight for sure. It
0: was a long time ago on John R. I remember we were doing maybe a business.
1: workshop. Yeah. So you were, you were actually speaking about editing and it was for authors. It was a workshop for authors that Antoine was doing and Mm -hmm. I was speaking on marketing. You were speaking on editing and we met that day and we've been cool ever since. So And um, I'm
0: still rocking my millionaire
1: mindset t-shirt with holes in it. I will not throw it away. <laughs> I'm not mad at that, man. It's a blessing, you know, to connect with people. And um, you know, like just to be able to meet people along the way. What up, Helen? How you doing out there? Helen is definitely somebody who've been rocking with inspire guys people for a long time. Um, thank you for tuning in. So, Tanisha, let's go on. Like, I want to go on a journey and understanding and fir- first things first. Can we talk a little bit about your Facebook post? You know what I'm saying? You always, you always bullying people and telling people that they need to write their book. Can you, can you, can you kick it with me just a little bit and help me understand why are you so, um, adamant that people need to write a book?
0: So I'll say it like this. I am sick and tired of people being broke because they have not written the book that they know they're supposed to write. Can we just say that? okay Um, for me it's not about the ten dollar book are you going to get to millionaire status with a ten dollar or twenty dollar book probably not it's about the paid speaking engagements when people are paying you twenty five hundred to five thousand to speak it's about the coaching program where you're charging five to ten thousand and you get ten people now you made a hundred k so it's not about the book but the book is a blueprint to something bigger and so i'm telling people listen the film, the stage play, the ebook, the paperback book, the audio book—seven to twelve streams of income tied to one book. There is no reason why, if the Lord called you to write, and for many of us He has, that you should be broke. And I'm sick of it.
1: I love that. I love that you broke down like why. And I'm being real with you, like asking that question. I had no idea you were going to say that. So it's it's really <laughs> about the the streams of income and the other opportunities that doing this yes. one thing creates for you. So like, yes. why do you, why do you think most people don't write the book? So mindset
0: It's it's all about the different things that people say, well, I'm not a writer. I'm not an author. I'm not this. I'm not that. Like if God is calling you to write it once you write and you publish it, then you're an author. So I don't understand.
1: So, so we struggle with this mindset of like, is that like inferiority you think? Like, I'm not good enough because I think a lot of people struggle with that.
0: Imposter syndrome, you know, who is she to write a book? Like when I wrote my first book, my family was like, What you wrote a book about? Like, really? Okay, so now I'm at book twenty-three and twenty-four, and they just they the family don't even buy the books no more. So I tell people all the time, if you are worried about your family and what they're gonna think about your writing, most of your family members don't read no way. So just write the book and get free.
1: What, okay, so tell me. All right, I'm curious a little bit about like your background a little bit since you talked about family. Yeah. For you, like, what kind of background did you come from? Did you come from poverty, money, middle class, upper class, lower class? Can you Listen. tell us a little bit just about like, you know, the younger Tanisha growing up? And I want to make the connection between how who you were yeah. helped you become who you are today.
0: Yeah, so I literally grew up on the west side of Chicago. We call it K Town because all the streets start with K, Colin, Kill, Derek Costner, all of that. Um, story very similar to Viola Davis. I'm reading her book right now, Finding Me. And when she talks about the rats and the roaches and being in your bed at night and peeing in the bed and like you don't want to get up because you scared you're gonna see something crawling across the floor. Like that was that was my reality. Um, up until the age of nine years old, we moved here from Detroit. But before that, I was molested by a female cousin. And so my first experience with any type of intimacy, sex or whatever, it was with the female, but it was also with the family member who my oh. mother and grandmother trusted to keep me. You know, we say the older siblings and the older cousins, watch the younger cousins. You know how we do. Yeah. But for me, that wasn't a good thing. So we moved to Detroit when I was like, nine years old. My mother was 14 when she had me. So she got pregnant at 13. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. She was 14 when she had me. So I'm 43. I'm not going to tell her age, but y'all do the math. We real close. like wow. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. How, how is that? Like, you know, that, that, that aspect of being so close in age and your mother, I can, I can, I think the, the challenge of it is, is very clear when, you know, when you're younger, yeah. especially when she's younger, how yeah. has that evolved? Like, is there any advantages now that y'all are, more mature to having a mother that, that close or no, no? is it weird? No,
0: I would say for for me, it's been a disadvantage because we are not the mother and daughter that's out at Somerset shopping at the mall. Like let's kick it. Let's go to lunch. Let's go to brunch. Let's go. No, that's not us because I was on, my mother is the baby of 10, but I was raised like an 11th child for my grandmother. So gotcha. it's like I'm the baby and then boom, here come you. So all my life, she would be like, well, I didn't have birthday gifts cause I had you and I didn't have Christmas because I had you Well, you had me at 14. So at 14, everything you were getting is now transferred to your baby. So it's almost like a tick for tack.
1: Yeah, that's heavy. And that that's interesting, man. That's why I love learning people's story. Cause it's like, we, we're so like, you know, like you said, me and you've been knowing each other for a long time, at least, you know, yeah. um, through networking and, you know, business and, you know, social yeah. media, but there's so much more to us. So like you in like high school, college, you know, yeah. coming from the background that you came from, yeah. like, and like, where, where's the bridge, right. In that background to becoming who you are today. Like if I went to high school, college with you, would I have known or would I be surprised at what you're doing today? Or I'd be like, Oh no, like, I knew Tanisha was going to be an author. She was going to be, you know, yep. forcing you to write a book. Can you tell us a little bit about that? So here's the caveat. Like I want to go to McKenzie,
0: which is no longer standing. <laughs> um, <Man>. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Ain't <that> crazy? <laughs> um, and of course, my mother wouldn't let me because she knew what McKenzie was about. So I went to, check this, communication and media arts high school. Oh, so it. Was,
1: uh, Yeah. Yeah, CMA.
0: Yeah. yeah, so I was actually the second graduating class from CMA in 97. Um wow. Yeah, and so I was the girl in school where all the classmates was like, I know you did your papers. I need a copy off you. Like, I need the answers to the test. Wow. So my love for journalism really developed at CMA because at that point, my journalism teacher had a connection to the Free Press where the students were actually writing for the Detroit Free Press before we even graduated. Oh, wow. So yeah, yeah, it was it was hot. And so, um, what's crazy is tomorrow morning I have to speak for communication and
1: media our senior penny. Twenty
0: years later, yeah. Right. Okay.
1: Okay. <laughs> this is this yeah. is like the kind of stuff I like to talk about. So you go from going to a high school in the first graduating class of CMA, yes, to second, now,
0: second
1: graduating second, class. second graduating class. To now you are about to go and speak tomorrow at the senior penning. Yes. Like now, what is... now
0: I have a keynote at the Anthonyum. Yes.
1: Wow. Congratulations, first of all. Thank you. Um second of all, coming from that background, coming from not just poverty, but you talked about being molested, having a mother no. that was, you know, had you at 14 years old. Yeah. When you you talked about when you wrote your first book, family not really kind of yeah. feeling it, imposter syndrome. Yeah, like was that a real big deal for you? Like, because it sounds like you like it sounds like you had some challenges to get over. Mm-hmm. Like, how was it making that step from where you at where you were to believing that you can be successful to accepting that you could be access, uh successful? Um, and I'm asking this specifically because I think a lot of people struggle with this. I've struggled yeah. with this to be honest.
0: Yeah. And so I think the biggest thing is mindset. And so as a child, I always tell people, nobody ever told me I was beautiful or pretty. I was the smart girl. And in high school, nobody wants to be the smart girl. Like, you want to be the cute girl, you know. But the boys, anyway, you want to be the cute girl. (laughs) But they were like, nope, that's the smart girl. And then just very promiscuous in high school, very promiscuous in college, molested by a male hairdresser. So now molested by both men and women. Got to college, didn't really know my identity, and you know me. My life is an open book. So I've been with both women and me because my identity was like, what do I really like? I don't know. I've been introduced to both. Going through all the motions, I didn't really get saved and come back to Christ to like my senior year of college. I mean, I'm talking about I it out in college. I had a great time. Listen. Gotcha. <laughs> I had a great gotcha. time. You know, all my dirt. But yeah.
1: Yeah. So... So let me ask you: With going through what you went through, right? Um, and you said what what book number are you on now? What what? How many 23, books? Twenty-three. Twenty-three. You've written twenty-three books. Mm-hmm. How have those evolved over time? I would imagine I'm gonna just make a guess that the information you just shared is in one of these books, especially probably some yeah of the earlier ones. Like, how has that even evolved? Like, you know, again, going through molestation and some of the struggles that you had. I would imagine that at some point, maybe, I don't know, I'm just guessing, were you did you ever write out of anger, out of fear, and then did that progressed to anything um, like a brighter day, you know what I mean, a more mature yeah. version of that, and how did you deal with that? Yeah, so
0: my first book was 100 Words of Encouragement. It was very motivational, inspirational. It wasn't really anything about me. Um, it was 2014 when I wrote When the Smoke Clears, which is actually the one that we did the stage play on. And um, that one talked about losing a set of twins. Me and my husband were married on October 19th and October 20th. We were in the hospital losing twins. Literally, one no mm-hmm. honeymoon, Sorry, nothing like. Yeah. So um, it talked about, you know, being a blended family. We're a blended family. I got an older son in California. It talked about me not really being prepared to be a wife because I don't like cooking and cleaning, like all the things. And then I probably didn't really open up about my sexual abuse story in book form until I started the Hush series, which really was like 2018, maybe. Um, But yeah, so now it's the book that I'm writing right now is, is specifically for Christian women, actually, who want to be free from addiction to porn and masturbation. Because I know there are women in the church that are battling with this and think it's okay. We make it okay for women, but not men.
1: So yeah, yeah th- th- those are some, um, some powerful topics. Hey, so I commend you for, um, kind of attacking those things head on. I know that those aren't always easy for people to discuss. And sometimes yeah. we shy away from a lot of that. we we actually have a, I did an episode last year that was called porn. No. And then I, I had a, <laughs> um, a, a gentleman from, um, from a ministry, um, yeah. that helps men. And we talked about that because I actually think I'm just being real, like, I think porn is being ushered into society as like a standard. And yes. so I think one of the things we do, especially as Christians is like, think about the ratings on a movie yes. R rated PG 13. We follow the ratings like gospel. Yeah. So we kind of feel like, well, if it made it in PG, it must be cool. If it made it, it's just rated R. But right. I'm telling you, man, a couple years ago, me and my wife started having conversations because, I started realizing I'm like, look, I'ma just be real. We had we had kind of rented a couple movies. Mm-hmm. And you know, like uh, the the trailer didn't have like I'm talking about you. Were, trailer it a trailer. It. Yeah. It didn't have nothing. You think you watching a cool movie? We watched a movie. I'm talking about they getting busy, busy. And I'm yeah. like, yo, all right, I'm you know, it's all kind of stuff happening. And I was mm-hmm. like, look, one time I paused one of the movies. I'm not even gonna say what it was, because I just yeah. didn't expect what it was. I thought it was coming action movie or whatever. And I was like, I'm gonna be real. Like, I I can't honestly say I could really sit up here and watch what these chicks nah. doing and I'm gonna be all the way straight. And so yeah. I think a lot of people struggle with being real with themselves as it relates to porn. And exactly. if you wanna say soft porn. Um so I just commend you for talking about that. But I yeah, wanna even soft
0: you- no more. It's it's hard in the mo- regular movies, like in get, too. I can't watch hey. Empire. I
1: can't, none of the stuff. None oh, of that. Yeah. I've never seen that stuff. I never, like, I'm going to be real. Like half of the shows that people talk about on social media and I ain't, you know, not trying to yeah. be like self-righteous or something, but yeah. I just stay away from it. Like, I don't really need it. If it ain't making me better, it ain't helping me grow. Like, yeah. and I've heard about some of the, the scenes and some of this. And I guess the reason I'm bringing it up, cause you talked about like how people are secretly struggling. Yes. I think that's, that's part of why, because we watch we watch stuff and then we get surprised about the reaction. So it's like, oh yeah, I saw this and that, but then it's like, yo, what you doing for real? For real, when you up? Yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? And, so
0: it took, and it took, and I'll share this in the book, but it took me a while to learn. I think it was it was a pastor friend of mine, and he was like, you know, it's a form of prostitution, and I was like, did you just call me a prostitute? Like, wait, like I'm not <laughs> on eight mile, like stripping for money, like what well, he said. Right. Listen, your body is not your own. Even when you're married, your body is your spouse's. So you're prostituting your husband's body. It's crazy. Like it just it just opened my eyes, like, whoa. You know, cause you think I'm not harming nobody, I'm not having sex with nobody else. Yeah, it's just just as damaging, if not more, because when I got into my marriage, now I've already replaced my husband before he even got here.
1: And that's that's the type of stuff where and again, I want, like, people who listen to this, whether you listen live or you listen later, like, understand, I think this is a great example of what I consider the beauty of Christianity, which is that yeah. sin is within us. Like, yeah. so, like, a lot of times people think, like, let me, I'll go back to myself, like, oh, you are not watching this or not watching that because you think you are too good. It's like, mm-mm. No um, no no, I don't care no, I up. mean me. <laughs> don't no, let I smooth, know me. <laughs> Don't let the smooth taste fool you. Inspire guys, people whatever whatever. I am human. I'm a man. Like I'm a man's man. So like yeah. don't let the smooth taste fool you and I think we do that sometimes we we put people on a pedestal like they're they're not capable of seeing. So um right. yeah, those those are those are definitely some some heavy topics that that need to be talked about. So yeah, yeah. I you know be looking forward to what you do. Now you talked about like the stage plays. Um yeah are you doing anything else with stage plays? Um, You know, is that something you just kind of dabbled in with a book and, you know, you kind of check the box like that was cool or is that like a passion of yours or is something you want to continue to do? No.
0: So I love theater. I like to tell people if a picture is worth a thousand words a film or stage play it's probably worth a million. So to put it in, and I like the type of theater where we get to engage with the audience throughout the show. I mean, it's, it's like black box theater. It's up close and personal. They coming up in the stands. Like that's the type of theater I like to do. So next year we're looking at doing when the smoke clears again because we haven't done it since 2018. So it's been four years. Gotcha. I know some people now who probably haven't seen it, you know. Um, yeah. And we always do an alternative ending. We always switch it up a bit. But I'm also working on a stage production called Mothers and Daughters, and I'm being bold about it releasing it around Mother's Day because it does not paint mothers, particularly black mothers in a good light because we want to glorify mothers on Mother's Day and then Father's Day is like, okay, let me bash baby daddy time.
1: So, you know, you, you know what? Yeah. Like, I think, man, first of all, again, just kudos to you for like addressing some of these topics artistically. Right. Yeah. It, because we sweep so much stuff under the rug in our culture. Yeah. It's like you saying, I always tell people, like, be careful, not not that you shouldn't celebrate single mothers. Shout out to the yeah. single mothers out there, like, all day long. Yeah. But we should be careful how we celebrate them because people want to become what you celebrate. Right. So it's like, if you're celebrating a single mother, do it in a way where it's like, be clear about the fact I'm celebrating this person that did something above and beyond, but right. I don't want this to be the norm. Because I think sometimes we get stuck in the fact of like, all right, bro. You you want to I want to celebrate my mom, but I don't want the daughter to turn into that too, and that's how we yeah. have these cycles. And yeah. uh, so I think talking about it and creating art around it is one of the ways you break the cycle. So yeah,
0: so yeah, so that production will be a series of monologues. It'll be similar to the vagina monologues. Nothing but stools, no set, no nothing. Um, and then we're working on a short film called "What Happens in This House," which is of course centered around molestation. What happens in this house stays in this house. Um... So, yeah, that's what's up for next year. The film, the stage play, yeah.
1: So, let me ask you this. Like, as you, like, if a person is out there and they thinking, like, all right, I, all right, I I want to write a book, or they, they question it, mm-hmm. can you tell me, like, who should write a book, A, and then when, how do you know that it's time to write a book? So, I tell people, Everybody can
0: ideally write two types of books. So the first book is the book, whatever you're an expert in. So for you, you could write expert book and it could be inspired. All the things. Um, But again, what are you an expert in? Now for me, it just happens to be books. My expertise is books. So I wrote a book about books grammatically incorrect, which is like editing and proofreading tips for authors. So whatever you're an expert in, that's the first book. The second book I tell people is writing a memoir about a significant time in your life where you've had to overcome something. So not your whole life story. When we sit down and try and do a life story, I get overwhelmed because it's only so many people. I'm not reading Michelle Obama's 400 page book. I'm overwhelmed. (laughs) So, (laughs) so. Yeah, I tell, I'm like, don't write the whole life story. But if you were diagnosed with cancer and then you got healed of cancer, I need just, just write about that window. And then that becomes your ministry, your marketing, everything. Like you become the expert on overcoming cancer because
1: you've been healed from it. So take a portion of like your life, something that you've done or experienced, and write a book on that. And, I'm assuming you must encounter a lot of people who try to fit their entire life. They into do. a book. They uh, do. And I can understand it. I can definitely understand it. Shout out to the people in the comments, Lydia, Jen, Helen, appreciate <laughs> y'all. Um, all um right. So that's helpful. That's even helpful to me. Like, all right, take, yeah. take a portion of your life and, and, yeah. and kind of, and, and, and write that way. So then let me ask you so, this. So me, just, just an example
0: of that. So for me with the sexual abuse, so I have the hush series. The first book is all women. The second book is three men and four women. The third book will be all men. But I also started a nonprofit called the Monarch Circle, where I help both men and women heal from sexual abuse through the use of small group discussions. Because when I asked, particularly black men, where do they go and heal? The answer was, we don't. We don't have anywhere to heal. So yeah, so I feel like if I'm in the herb to solve any one problem, that's probably it.
1: Okay. And, and, and the reason being, and it, I'm, I'm making this connection because it's helpful because that was what you went through. Right. And a lot of times our struggle becomes our story. Yeah. And we have to be in control of that story, meaning putting God in control of it. And the reason yeah. I'm saying this is because sometimes we go through things. I actually made a post today. Like, don't let your struggle. Um, what I say, your, uh, brokenness become an idol. Because I think what we end up doing is instead of doing like what you're doing and creating um, content and opportunity and resources and businesses to help other people get out of it. We just keep like reinforcing while we are in it. And it's like, Hey, like, so let's say if, you know, if you, if you grew up broke and it's like, you grew up broke and then you spend the next 20 years complaining and talking about being broke. Yeah. That's, that's making it an idol versus if you grew up broke, and right. then you create something and, and become something out of your life, and then you go back and start yeah. helping other people out of out of that situation. Um. So so hey, like I hope hopefully somebody grabbed onto that. If you're thinking about writing a book or you're thinking about your life story, like think about some of your struggle or something that frustrates you, and focus on that one thing that and one start thing. writing on that. Yeah. Um. So so here's my other question, Tanisha, on on that because I think a lot of people. Are, are going to be asking, like, how do you, um, how do you write a book? Yeah, Lydia, like, write how you, yeah, write how
0: you overcame. And, and let me say this. I'm glad Lydia said that. Don't bleed on the pages. If you know you haven't worked through the healing process yet, it may not be time to write the book. Like, if you are going through a divorce right now. Don't write the book on divorce. Like, sis, bruh, you might need to wait eight years before you come in these streets telling people how to successfully get through a divorce. Like you just signed the papers. Like, wait a minute, don't bleed on the pages. Um, a lot of people want to do tell-aws, they want to out their spouse, they want to out the other person. Like, that's not what we're doing. If you come to Saw This Written, I'm not even publishing it. I'm not touching it with a 10-foot pole because that's bleeding on the pages. Those are your journal notes but what do you want the world to read and how can it benefit your readers?
1: I love that. Don't bleed on the pages. Chanel said you helped a couple of her family members and she's next. Shout out Chanel. Let's go. Uh, Let's do it. Um, listen, I hope like, all right, we gotta, I gotta make sure I gotta make sure they heard that. Don't bleed on the pages. Now here's where else I think that has a lot of value. We run to social media these days mm-hmm. for everything. Yep. and I think sometimes people don't realize like the emotional aspect of social media. Something mm-hmm. if you super emotional and you going through something in your life, you might need to turn your phone off. I'm gonna be real with y'all. Power. I, off. Yeah. Like, <laughs> all, throw it out the window. Uh, yes. Delete Instagram. I'm being real when you when I'm when I'm quiet. Some not, not all the time. I don't want to like misrepresenting people like oh that's when something he going through something but i'm telling y'all when i'm emotional i ain't saying nothing like
0: yeah
1: Yeah. i I ain't talking and some people bleed on the post this is like don't bleed on the pages don't bleed on the post all right so that's super helpful so now let's talk about like we we talked about like how to how to start your journey and writing a book from the standpoint Mm -hmm. of creatively or the action from the business side can you talk to us a little bit About that, because I don't know that we all know, hey, what's the first step? Like, like, even when you talk about being an editor, maybe we start there. Like, hey, I'm not that good at writing. How do how do I make sure I capture everything uh, properly? Can you talk about that a little bit?
0: Yeah, so I think the benefit of the time and space that we live in right now is that you don't have to be a writer to write a book. You really don't have to write anything. There are audio apps where you can literally speak and it will type the words on the pages for you. As a matter of fact, Microsoft Word has a dictate feature. So if you want to dictate in your car, you literally can be driving down the street and writing chapters for your book, like just speak. I tell people a lot of times, even for you, Jay, will a lot of your episodes, repurpose the cut? Con- <laughs> Don't you do it.
1: I didn't know this was going to get personal, people. Listen,
0: rep- repurpose the content that you already have. So many times we're trying to start with a blank page, which are from the very beginning, and we already have content. It may be social media posts. Listen, 100 Words of Encouragement was nothing but social media posts. That's all it was. And I took 100 of them, and I published it in a book. One
1: hundred words of encouragement. Boom. We overthink. You know it we might have to end this early, y'all. <laughs> this this <laughs> woman that came on here and attacked me live on my show, like, oh, it got personal. No, look, I'm look, I'm gonna be real yeah. with you. You helping me for real, even with that that whole concept of like focusing on one thing because I'm an abstract person, you know. So it's yeah. like I can be. Uh, I'm a thinker. I'm a, um, I'm an ideas guy. So I have a million ideas, which when, you know, because I'm like that, I tend, I can be all over the place seemingly. Mm-hmm. Um, it, when I'm trying to do something like focus, like, all right, write a book. I'm kind of like, yo, I want to, I want, I'm one of them people that probably want to talk about my whole life. So you just help me, yeah. um, in that regard. So, okay, we got, we, but we, the other we thing. Can, go yeah. ahead. But the other thing I tell people is,
0: don't feel like you, let's say you are writing. Let's say you're going to sit down and write and type in a computer. I tell people, you're not sitting down to write a book. You're sitting down to write chapter three today. You're sitting down to write chapter five tomorrow. We become overwhelmed when we sit down and say, I got to work on my book and I got to finish my book. No, you don't. Today, you need to just finish Chapter three. So when we take that dream and that goal and break it down into bite-sized pieces, we can digest it. If I tell you, Jay Will, chapter three needs to be five to seven pages, get it to me by next Friday. You could do that. You're like, okay, five to seven pages, great. Now, we go through that for 10 weeks. Now you've got 70 pages in Microsoft Word. But when we put it in book form, it's 140 pages. So in 10 weeks, you've written a 140-page book.
1: Okay. All right. So Chanel mm-hmm. said for her it's about the confidence because you know she's scared and she overthinks. So mm-hmm. what would you say to like somebody who like okay, let's let's just make it practical. Today I'm a I'm a grandma phone. I'm a, I'm a talk. I'm you know whatever y'all the Google yeah. doc I'm I'm a use I'm a use the voice text. I'm a talk it. I'm going to do chapter 1, right? But yeah. I'm a overthinker and I'm not really confident. I know that the book is going to be about um going from poverty to mm-hmm. wealth right so that's what i'm gonna talk about i was mm-hmm. I went from poverty to wealth all right tanisha what is chapter one about like i'm overthinking I, i'm i want to talk about when i was five when i was 15 like mm-hmm. help me where do i start if i'm like but, chanel and i'm an overthinker and i I can't figure out where to start how, how do i you know how do i do that
0: yeah. So unfortunately too many people start in the wrong place. If if you are writing your life story, I don't want to hear about, I was born and raised in Mississippi. Like nobody cares. The You really, you really have to. And I tell people, I watch movies through the lens of an author right now, because in the first five minutes, you know, there's a problem in a movie. You you know, there's a problem. You are crystal. You may not know what the problem is. It might be a car accident. Somebody might be dead. Somebody might get shot but something is happening within the five minutes to let you know there's a problem. Likewise with a book. Within the first five pages, you need to wow your audience. You need to let them know their problem. Now, you don't necessarily need to tell them what the problem is, but you need to tell, okay, if you're talking about from poverty to wealth, you need to talk about when I was so broke that we were living with roaches and ramen noodles was too expensive and all the things. And the reader is like, well, I got to keep reading because if First of all, they need to see themselves in chapter one. Okay. So the people who have lived with roaches and rats and ate ramen noodles, like we get it. So then, then now you've hooked me and I'm like, I got to see how this person comes out of this. Like Viola Davis's book. That's what she starts with. The rats are like gnawing away at her toys and she can hear it at night. And she went to bed and didn't have hot water. Like it's a whole thing. Like, man. Okay. I'm
1: going to be real. Like, too. Like, cause look. I'm from the hood. I didn't, you know, ro- roaches was like like a puppy. We we didn't, yeah. we didn't been around roaches before. let to I'm, I'm be real, man. Some of my friends and people like you, y'all, with the rats. Look, I'm I'm talking about. I'm from the gutter. If a rat would have came out, I would have built a house. It
0: was <laughs> a mouse. It was a mouse. It wasn't like a big. If rat. I would-
1: Five we, years old, I see a rat we I am a carpenter. I am going like, <laughs> let me tell you something.
0: We, we had mouse traps in every corner. I promise
1: you I'm talking one of my live,
0: when when you live in an apartment building with three levels, you start getting everything else that the other people in the apartments got like there's no way that it comes through the vent.
1: hey, man. now I know that's how roaches roaches will go back and forth. Yeah, uh, Lavelle said, I'm so inspired to write a book about how I can cast out J. Will. <laughs> listen, brother, cut it listen, out. Well, well, you need to make it exciting in the first five yeah. uh, five minutes and the five, five pages. pages. So, yeah. first so five that's pages. how you do it. Yeah. Uh, Nick Nick McCurtis say not the rats. Listen, bro, I'm I can't do the rats. So, but but, but no. But that's, the,
0: other thing, the other thing I tell people is Jay Will. So that first chapter has got to be exciting. It's got to hook me, or else you risk me not finishing the book at all. The second thing is. People need to know who their book is for. Your book is not for everybody, and it won't be for everybody. So when I'm writing my story about sexual abuse, it's for specifically African-American women who have went through sexual abuse, usually of both men and women, as a child, not rape, not rape as an adult, but childhood molestation. Got it. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So you, you gotta know the audience. Um, that makes a lot of sense. And like you said, Hey, the people out there with roaches can't clearly the roach thing. Some of our audience members can connect because Helen said they go back and forth with suitcases. (laughs) (laughs) I feel it. Um, that's really how it is. So no, that's cool. So it's, you know, be clear, use technology, Yeah. uh, focus on a specific topic. Um, but know your audience. And I think that's important, you know, you know, working in sales and marketing, that's always really important to know your demographic. And sometimes we, you know, people don't realize that major organizations who yes. sell you stuff like you might think you go in a grocery store and you like, Oh, this is just my favorite candy bar. Mm-hmm. Those people I've worked with organizations, um, worked on uh, marketing campaigns where yes. some people named the name the target audience so like let's say if they're like if you like i got this book it's for females that from the age of you know 30 to 40 who experienced this this and this some people name the person like a female named susan who did this so these major companies yes
0: like what does susan do what is susan married is she divorced is she single does she have kids what's her how much money does she make like all the things
1: yeah. So you got to be willing to put that effort and that work behind it too. And I always feel like that effort and work really exposes who really wants something for real and who doesn't. So, yeah. all right, Tanisha, let me ask you stand staying on the line of the business perspective, right? Yeah. What do you like? Can you talk a little bit about what you do specifically to help people with books? So if I'm writing my book, mm-hmm. what would I come to Tanisha for and when at what point in the process should I come to you? So I, I've, I've started doing the voice notes on my phone. I yeah. got two chapters done. Like, do I finish the book? Do I call you before I start? Mm-hmm. Like, how do, how does that part go? Because I really yeah. want people to walk away from this episode actually knowing, like, this is how you write a book. Absolutely. So we
0: offer three signature packages. We keep it simple. I have streamlined everything. So the first package is what I call brand book bestseller, where I'm coaching with people for 60 days to get their book written, not published, but get the writing done in 60 days or less. I've actually done it in 30, 60 days is to give people grace because I know life is happening for them. Not so much for me, but for them. The other package is ghostwriting. So that is me interviewing you. So I would interview Jay Will. I would get all the audio. I would transcribe it. And I'm shooting you chapters for approval. You're not really writing anything. I'm writing. And last but not least, we have done-for-you publishing services. So if that's you and you say, listen, I want to write my own book, I, when I'm done writing, then I'll come and see you for publishing, and then we take it from Microsoft Word to Books at Your Doorstep.
1: Okay. And so, like, can you give us an example? I do want to answer Chanel's question. She asks, like, what are some of the favorite apps to use she uses, Evernote? So do you have any specific apps um, to use for, I guess, the I, I think she's speaking about the uh, the speaking um into the notes for the for the book or is it just kind of whatever works for whoever
0: no i mean and and honestly that's not something that i use i I still actually type and write my own books um but a lot of people are you they're just using like a voice recorder in their phone in their iphone that they download it and they just keep the voice recordings and you can email them and transcribe. some people use like scrivener they use like i forget the other one but i mean you really have to be careful with them too cuz if you're not if you talk with an accent or you are speaking slang it's going to make it to the page like that and then you know it's it's going to give your editor a headache but yeah
1: got you so can you talk to me a little bit about like all right so my book is written I, i've taken all the advice i'm i'm good to go i've been mm-hmm. doing one chapter for 10 weeks we we yep. good What is the publishing process like? What is that exactly like? What does it even mean for somebody out there who's like, what does it even mean to get your book published? What is Mm -hmm. published?
0: And I'm I'm glad you asked me that, because the way the industry is now, a lot of people think they can just upload their book to Amazon and they're like, I'm published. No. So it should be edited at least twice. Sometimes my editors will go through it two or three times. We do the professional design. Professional cover design is not just the front. I have people come to me all the time and they're like, oh, I have a cover. I'm like, let me see it. No, you have a picture. You don't have a design. It's not formatted properly. And we still got to design the spine and the back cover. And here's a a kicker. You can't even design the back cover until you know how many pages the book is going to be, which we won't know until we get toward the end of the process. Registering the book with the Library of Congress. What does that mean? If you want your books to be in libraries, it has to be registered with the Library of Congress. Filing a copyright. I tell people, don't file a copyright before the book is edited because it's going to change so much. So people are scared that I'm going to take their work, and I'm really not because I'm on book 23. (laughs) (laughs) But they're scared that I'm going to take their manuscript and publish it and do them wrong. So they're like, oh, I already got a copyright. I'm like, you just wasted your money because the book is going to change so much by the time we edit it and format it. That's not the final book. Um, in addition to that, we do the typesetting. So that's formatting the interior pages, your headers, footers, interior design, you want squiggly lines, you want roses, whatever it is, my typesetter will get it done. I upload the ebook to Amazon. I tell my clients, don't sell your paperback book on Amazon, because Amazon takes forty percent of every sale. So while the people out there on social media like, Yeah, I'm an Amazon bestseller, y'all, that don't mean look at me. That don't mean nothing for their pockets. Not nothing, nothing. Exactly. I'm gonna, pennies, pennies. So I don't want people to feel like, oh well, I I can't afford her. Or I don't want to pay her. I'm just gonna upload it to Amazon. You can't. Jeff Bezos gets forty percent of every sale. So you know it's up to you. Um, but I tell people sell your paperback book from your website because you you recoup one hundred percent of the proceeds. Yes, you have to physically go to the post office and mail the books, but most people want you to sign it anyway, so if it's coming from Amazon, you can't sign it.
1: What about printing like where where yep. are you yep.
0: so we do so we do print on demand. I use Ingram Spark for the most part. I don't print through Amazon. I've used Bookbaby, I've used 48 hour books, so I use different printers. Based do you on the find that product.
1: they're pretty much the same or kind of like, you no. know no? no,
0: it's really each project is different because it's based on the size of the book and the page count. So a hundred page book is gonna print way less than a four hundred page book.
1: Got you. Yes. Yeah. So, so I think it's important for everybody out there to really understand the reason I'm asking these kind of questions because, like, that's what Inspire Guys people is really about—like giving you something tangible and practical that you can take. So I hope everybody's listening to the fact that, like, yeah, I think there, there's the excitement of yeah, you want to write a book. Yeah. But what we're really trying to speak to is people who really want to write a book, like you really want to get through that process. And don't skip steps, because I think what happens is, mm-hmm. you know, especially sometimes. If you're a person that don't have nothing yet, I, that's why I like that you talked about Um, you earlier. You talked about the fact that, like, this ain't just about the money you getting off a book. That's the ten dollars right. a book ain't going to make you rich. It's about the other doors, because I think right. what happened to Nisha is when you come from nothing and I've been there. There's a difference between a hungry person doing something and having an idea and a yeah. person who's established. And sometimes when you're hungry and you starve, and I feel you, I get it. But sometimes yeah. you skip steps that end up hurting you in the long run.
0: Right, that's your brand. Yeah. That's, that's your book. Your book is your brand. I tell people you're not just writing a book. You're building a brand, and you are the brand. So you can't show up polished and makeup and slay, but the book has 10 typos on the back cover, and then the first chapter is jacked up. You No.
1: Yeah, you don't... <laughs> <laughs> Don't do that. Y'all know I get to talking crazy. You get to saying stuff, I start having visuals. But I, yeah. I feel what you're saying. Like you want you want that consistency. And ultimately we want to go from start to finish with something good. But look, remember, if anybody who, you know, you're catching this at a certain point, like Tanisha said earlier, it ain't just about the book. It's about right. the other streams of income that the book and the opportunities that it brings. Um, can you talk a little bit specifically about On the speaking side, how does a person so let's say today I wrote a book. Mm -hmm. I'm like, cool. I wrote my book about from from rags, the richest book. Right. Yeah. And somebody reach out to me and they want me to speak somewhere. You know, how do you how do you exactly turn a book into speaking engagement and other things? Are they just going to like should I sit back and just wait for them to kind of opportunities to flow to me? Or is it something I should be doing when my book is finished? in a way that I should be marketing or, you know, Mm -hmm. present with my book to create opportunities.
0: So, yeah. So for my daughter, I'm just going to tell you, she's 10 and I hired a PR company for her because I can't keep up with all of her PR. So she literally has a PR representative right now, pitching her to schools, pitching her to libraries where she can do read alouds. When we pitch her to schools, we ask them to buy a book for every student. So she was at an early childhood development center. She sold 175 books. They bought it at wholesale price. She still made money and she got to go in and speak and take pictures with the kids. So, I mean, when when I tell people with the speaking, it's like your book is your signature speaking topic. So when I go in, I'm asking people, are you asking me to come and speak about writing and publishing? Or are you asking me to come in and talk about overcoming suicidal thoughts, depression, molestation, all of those things?
1: Wow. I love that. Um, yeah. and you said your Nyla's 10. 10. She, y'all, y'all hear that? Nyla, Nyla got a book. I see it all the time on social media. I'm going to get Nyla on this show. Um, she yeah. didn't want to come on with Tanisha because she said Tanisha takes her shine. So <laughs> we, we want to get Nyla her own episode. Awesome. Yeah. Listen, if a 10 year old can do it, let, let me ask you that from, you know, as a parent, I don't have children yet. And I'm always curious about this with parents. Yeah. Um, when your child follows your footsteps, was that something that, you encouraged her to do or did she see you and want to do it was she just kind of around that environment like how did how does a 10 year old want to become an author and now a speaker i've seen that she's been on the news speaking she's kind of she seems kind of confident
0: yeah yeah so she wrote the book when she was seven and she actually wrote a part of the book in school as a part of an assignment and i took it and was like you know you want to get it published so i published it for her not knowing three years later that Meyer would pick it up. And now she's got a national distribution deal. We just got Barnes and Noble to pick it up next. We're going for Target and Walmart. So it's one of those things where it's like, you never know when you're going to strike gold. I've been writing 20 plus years, but she got one book and then boom. But I've done all the legwork. I've already blazed the trail. So, you know, she's behind me. Yeah.
1: And I want people to understand too, like, Tanisha, that's part of the process, like, we don't, we want to write one book or do one thing. And this is why I'm specifically talking to the people who are out there starving. Cause yeah. you want to do that one thing and you want it to be your rags, the richest story in that one book. Basically, yeah. we want to go around trying to hit a whole, whole bunch of home runs. But what I really try to encourage people to understand is that this is a process and you got to do it step by step. And yeah. look, I didn't had. I didn't have music. I didn't been preaching places, speaking places. Yep. I'm in corporate. I got a podcast. I done done the fashion, whatever, whatever. Like, man, you just got to go through that process and let God work. So like you yep. said, you did that leg work, leg work. And now it's part of your legacy because your daughter has the national distribution deals. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of so, crazy.
0: And, and I think we as parents have to be okay with, I'm in the earth to see the legacy and I'm in the earth to see the fruit. It just may not be me. It's her.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And that's, and that's part of it. I love what Lydia said um, in one of these comments, she said that elevate your conversations to see what you are most passionate about. And I think that's That's,
0: important. I think that's the biggest problem. Two things. People don't know what they're passionate about and they don't know their purpose. You are not in the earth to just work a nine to five and go home and eat and get up the next morning and do the same thing all over again.
1: And, and you know, what's crazy about that? Because sometimes people even miss the purpose in their nine to five. And here, here's what I mean. Um, You know, mm-hmm. I work for a corporate, uh, a fortune 50 organization and, we had a town hall meeting like two to three weeks ago and they had highlighted. Um, now you're talking about a fortune 50 organization. They had flew some of the local people. There were three people. They highlighted uh, two black women and a white guy. And all three of them uh, got flown into the headquarters of the organization. They They were, wow. they were interviewed on the town hall and they were specifically interviewed about the work they had been doing in their community. Yeah, so they had been leveraging the organization they work for and the tools and resources and yeah. that and taking that back to their community. So it's like to your point, even if you have a nine to five, like there is purpose. Listen, mm-hmm. the purpose that God has in you, it's in you. Yes. And our problem is we think, all right, I'm going to turn my purpose off until I leave this job, then I'm going to turn it on. It's like, no, if you, you got to turn it Mm -hmm. on. And, and I want, I really want to speak to, because
0: I didn't leave corporate America. I was kicked out of corporate America for the last time in 2017. I was working. I was working at Raytheon in Troy. I've worked for DTE energy. I've worked for Mercedes Benz financial services. And in those, in those companies, I was in corporate communication. So it was still in alignment with my purpose. I was just doing it for corporate America. So again, it's one of those things where I'm not bashing people that have a nine to five. I've done it. I've done the, the three to 11. And then like when when we had yellow pages <laughs> a long, long time ago, I was the editor for the yellow pages. But again, 20 years of working in corporate in alignment with my purpose and then shifting to where my business solely focuses on books.
1: But and this is what's dope about it. The dope thing about it that, that people don't realize is sometimes corporate is just paid training. Yeah, so, and yeah. and you get those opportunities. Like think about the companies you just named: editor for the Yellow Pages. We all know what that is. Mercedes Benz Financial. We all know what that is. DTE, yeah. at least you know in Michigan, we know what that is. You like, know what DTE is. Exactly. Or right, it's a problem. But my point yeah. is, we don't sometimes understand. How I'm 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 saying this because we gotta learn how, just like with the book, to connect the dots. Yeah. Sometimes our lives are like all these dots and all these individual situations that we're going through, and we haven't taken the time to figure out, hey, how does this experience I went through and got abused as a kid, how yeah. does that connect to writing or my my desire to write? Oh, I need to write about you know what I'm saying. So yeah, I love yeah. that. And I, um,
0: and I it's a real question I ask God, like where were you? in the midst of that. And he said, I was right there. Like literally in one of my counseling sessions, they asked you go back to that moment when you were molested and where is God in the room and ask him to show you where God is in the room because he never leaves you or forsakes you. So why would he leave you or forsake you in that moment? And in that moment, it was like, God, how can you even work this for my good? Like how, how can you turn this? And And now I have a whole nonprofit.
1: Yeah. That's so real. And I want people to really, really, like, really try to hear that. It is, it's okay. We all go through that struggle of trying to believe that there is value in what you went through. And I think so many people are leaving the church and leaving the faith, leaving Christianity because nobody's talking to them about the connection. What we, what we try to do, let's just be real. Um, and when I say that, like, I know I'm overgeneralizing, but I know it's not everybody, but what a lot of people try to do is they just try to, uh, faith talk it away. Like God right. is good. Da, da, da. It's like, no, sometimes I need more than that. Sometimes I need you to tell me and talk to me about how can I use this? Cause this is my real life. Don't just tell me yeah. it's going to be all right. Tell me exactly why and how yeah. it's going to be all right. So I love that. And shout and, out to and the and people Jay- in the comments too. Yeah.
0: And J will to your point last week, I got a call from one of my girlfriends in Maryland, D.C. area, and she said, I know this is the type of work that you do, and I didn't know who to call, but my 16-year-old daughter was just raped today. So mine happened 30-something years ago. Like, the devil ain't got no new tricks. Like, it's the same thing over and over again. Like, it's still happening.
1: Yeah, and I see um, Mia um, or Maya, is it Mia or Maya? Yeah. Um Yeah. Like, and so the the point is we all have something that we've gone through and like Tanisha, my desire, my goal is, you know, with all the negativity and crazy stuff going on in the world, not just how can I be positive? Because positive is cliche. How can I be purposeful? And like God purposeful, like how can we use this stuff to point people back to God? And I, I just want people to know out there writing a book is just one way. But it leads to other ways. Like you said, you can write a book, then it turns into speaking. And me and Tanisha, we, we opened up this show, Tanisha talking about how we've known each other seven, eight years, but where do we meet at? We met at an author's event, right? Yeah. And we met speaking. And I'm going to tell you, like for me, I'm going to just say this because, because I believe people need to understand how to make those connections. For you, it was like you said, the molestation and, and making those connections to, to writing about it. Look, man, when I was growing up, I was a class clown. Like, I would get in front of the class and say and do anything. And I didn't understand the superpower in that. But now it's like I've gone to churches. I speak in yeah. corporate. Like, I go in front of people and I talk. And I, I just I just talk. Sometimes I yeah, say no crazy fear. stuff. Yeah, you, No fear. But the crazy thing about it is sometimes we don't know the purpose of, like, all those little things that we're going through growing up. So I love that you said that. I want to, um, I want to ask you a couple rapid fire questions before we get you out of here. Um, all right. And Damn then
0: this for, went fast.
1: I know. Ain't it crazy how fast it goes? First of all, if y'all are out there and y'all, um, enjoying what Tanisha's talking about, definitely follow her, um, on Instagram. Um, Tanisha Bestseller. Um, it's on the screen for you to see that. So check out her Instagram. It's also going to be in the description of today's show. Um, uh, whether you listen on Apple Podcasts, YouTube, wherever. Um, typically after the show, we get all the descriptions uploaded. So it's not there yet, mm-hmm. but it will be shortly. Um, so I want y'all to check that out, but also, um, Tanisha, I want you to, um, just talk a little bit about your websites. Um, Tanisha So it is written.com. And mm-hmm. why would I go to one or the other to connect with you?
0: So it's TanishaJohnson.com, but it's actually soitiswritten.net.
1: Oh, .net. My bad. Hold yeah, on. Yeah, you know because
0: understand? soitiswritten.com was taken 15 years ago when I started.
1: Ooh. So yeah, yeah.
0: I think some church folks got it. They don't want to relinquish <laughs> it to me. So yeah, so it is written. Yeah. yeah, so soitiswritten.net will give you a snapshot of our services and testimonials from our clientele. You can fill out the contact me form there, and I'm personally the one who will respond to you if you want information about our services. The TanishaJohnson.com website is more so if you'd like to book me to speak, if you want to interview me personally, things like that.
1: Cool. Thank you so much. Um, So a couple quick questions before we get out of here. I think this is a big one. What do I do if I have writer's block? Because we know creatively sometimes just me speaking personally as a person that you know has written a lot of music and stories and different things like, Sometimes mm-hmm. I'm feeling creative, even with this podcast, sometimes it's flowing. I'm like, oh, I got all the creativity in the world. And sometimes it's like a block, like, yeah. all right, I know I should write a book. I got this topic that I'm passionate about, but it's just not flowing. Like, what what should a person do in that situation? If they so got two th-
0: yeah, two things I tell people is, um, number one, write. <laughs> and I know it sounds cliche, but it's like, Five Below, I think they have these writers, like it's a a book full of writing prompts, like just write about anything. I'm not saying write working on your book because that's pressure. I'm just saying just journal, just write out prayers or write a love note to your boo, whatever it is, just write. Get back in the idea of writing letting this flow across the pages. And when I say writing, I mean really handwriting with your finger on paper, not typing, but writing. The other thing I tell tell people is change your atmosphere. So do you need to leave the house and go to Starbucks? So you're not thinking about the laundry that needs to be done. Do you need to go to the library? Do you need to go by the water? I write great things by the water. So you got to know what your inspiration is to get out of that.
1: Oh, I like this one. Write the feelings of having writer's block. So I think that goes to the point you make and like just write. Write about Um, anything. Yeah, that's actually pretty dope. Um, Helen says she got a few of your books and have taken two of your classes. Yeah, and thinks you're awesome. So that's pretty cool. Helen is definitely one of those people. I just want to shout out Helen and say, you know, Helen, I'm praying. <laughs> yeah. that I'm praying nothing but success in your future, because there are some people that you see and you like. This is a person that's all about the right stuff. They just trying to learn. And they yeah. connecting to all the right people. So Helen, I'm for real, for real, I'm looking forward to being able to look back and hear testimonies from you about your journey and the process, just because I've had the opportunity to see you because you've been a long time listener to the show, seeing yeah. you on social media. And I just appreciate the people out there. And I know there's others like that, but just know, man, we rooting for y'all. We praying for y'all. Like this, one oh, thing yeah. about when yeah. you're doing ministry, you want to grow, you want to make money, you want you to be able to be successful, but it really is personal to see the people that, it, like, when I Tanisha, when I see people that's connected to inspire guys, people do something good. I be feeling like, look yeah. at us, look what we yeah. just did, like, yeah, you know look what I'm saying? What we just did. <laughs> look at what we just did. Um, all right,
0: Helen, keep going. That's yeah,
1: great. she 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 ain't playing. So shout right. out, shout out to Helen. Um, yeah. All right, before before we get out of here, I I want to ask you one last thing, and I want to ask you maybe it's a two part question. What is the the most fulfilling book project that you've worked on today that's not one of your own 23 books though wait what yeah it it ain't one of your own like because you've worked with a lot of people so a project that you've been a part of or worked on that has been really fulfilling um in the heart of working with other people Mm. Oh, i'll put you on the spot no
0: No, um, it was a ghostwriting client. I started with her in October and we actually finished in 90 days, which is the quickest I've ever done a ghostwriting project. Um, but we were crystal clear on who her book is for, what problem it solves and what she wanted to say. And it's about significant parts of her life. Like she's been married three times and all the things, just finding herself. But that one right there, and I mean, we haven't even published it yet. We finished the ghostwriting, but we haven't yes. done the publishing phase yet. But that one right there was more fulfilling for me. Number one, because of the content, and she loved it. Like, there wasn't a whole lot of changes, so that was a boost for me. Um, usually when I'm ghostwriting, I go back and forth with people for a year or two because they're just dragging their feet. Um, but not only that, but we got it done in 90 days. And when I say we started with a blank page, we started with a blank page. Wow. so yeah, that was interviews and everything so yeah
1: I love it all right and last question before we get you out of here what is your favorite book that you didn't write <laughs> that i didn't write that you didn't write what's your favorite oh, book
0: oh man that's hard all right, so i'm gonna go here the name of the book is called forgiving forward f o r w a r d it basically talks about the concept of what Jesus did on the cross, which is basically forgiving us, not just for the things we've already done, but the things we haven't done yet. And yeah, getting us to a place where we will learn to forgive people. The person who ain't stepped on your foot yet. The first, the person who ain't betrayed you yet. Like before Judas betrayed him, he had already forgiven him. He already knew. So it's one of those things where there's a line in the book that says, when you neglect to forgive others, You tell Jesus subliminally the work on the cross was enough for me, but not for them. They still owe me. man. And when I
1: read that,
0: it was like, oh, I gotta let a whole lot of people go. Because that's what's blocking the flow for a lot of us is we don't want to let people go, period. Like We don't want to forgive. We don't want to work through it. None of it.
1: And that's a lot of our pride, man, and, and understanding, like, like you said, that, that work of the cross, um, that work of the cross, man, yeah. um, it's, it, it goes both ways. Like you saying, and sometimes we want to act like, Oh, it's just for me. Like, thank you, Jesus, for forgiving me.
0: <laughs> Not right.
1: thinking about like the people on the other end of the things that I've done where I, the I need the forgiveness. Out. Right. Yeah. Like yeah. it's like, no, man, we have to be aware like, yo, I've needed, I've needed that grace that humbles you. Like, Ooh, yeah. I know what I've needed because of, Things I've done, yeah. times I've slipped, failed, went to the side, like mistakes I've made. I know what I needed. And so yeah. it humbles you in a way. And I, I really yeah, so, want people so out one, there. Go ahead. Yeah, jump so,
0: in. so one of the things I'll tell people about that book is it is transformational. So if you're going to write a book, make sure that it's transformational. You are not writing a book just to do another transaction of selling a 10 or $20 book. It needs to be transformational. If it's not transformational, don't write it.
1: I love it. Tanisha, this has been amazing. I definitely appreciate you um, after all yes, these years of knowing you. each other, um, jumping on the show. Um, I look forward to connecting again. Um, I'm going to give you let you have some last words before I let you go. Uh, what do you want to tell the people? Um, anything you want to reiterate or any thoughts you want to leave them with?
0: Yeah, get your book done. Number one um <laughs> get your book done number two find your purpose and burn rubber stay in your own lane you are not in competition with anybody else but who you were yesterday
1: that's it that's love man i appreciate you so much tanisha and i see that the audience uh appreciate you thank y'all all for coming i'm gonna let you go and i'm gonna all stay right. here for a couple of minutes with y'all and close it out you have a good night tanisha thank you bro all right guys people man um Yo, hey, Helen, you say you knew it was coming with her telling them to do the book. Uh, Chanel, um, thank y'all for the for the comments and for the love. I want to share a couple thoughts, man, before I before I let y'all go. Like, hopefully there was more than enough for y'all to be able um, to take away from today's conversation. My goal was really to connect with people. I know a lot of people want to write books. And writing a book, it's a daunting task. It's daunting to think about. Like, yo, where do I start? What do I do? And so hopefully, you know what I'm saying, you can listen back at this episode, share it with somebody who might want to write a book or might need to write a book. But a couple of things I want to talk about is, A, it's that struggle. Now, if you listen to this entire episode, if you caught it at the end, I would advise you to catch it from the beginning. Tanisha talked about, you know, two things that she talked about that was pretty deep, and that's being molested multiple times. And then having a mother that was only 14 when she had her. And one of the things I've learned in life is, and and, and even doing this show, what it does is it it humbles me in a way to help me realize everybody got problems. And sometimes, man, like, sometimes we go through life and we just being real and we feeling like, yo, why, like, why me? Like, I'm, I'm going through A, B and C. Um, why did this happen to me? And, And why is my situation so bad? And it might be feeling like that just because you might not really know what the next person going through. I've known Tanisha for like, you know, seven years, you know, not like it's not like we like know each other super personally, but social media met each other in person at a networking event where we both were speaking and things like that. And I didn't know her mother was only 14 when she had her. So I think um we have to a understand that, hey, we're not in this alone. We have problems. A lot of people have problems, right? You know, and and not to have that victim mentality. Follow me on this. Even when you really were a victim. Now he's talking. Now he's talking good. You got to learn how not to have a victim mentality. Even when you've been a victim. That's not easy to do. I don't tell you not to have a victim mentality to minimize the situation that you dealt with. I tell you not to have a victim mentality because I know that the victim mentality won't save the victim. You get what I'm saying? Your mind is so powerful. Like the things that you allow yourself to think are so amazingly powerful that we don't realize how much our, our thoughts and our words shape our world. So it's like your thoughts shape your words, your words shape your world. I can talk. I can talk people. I can talk. Do you feel what I'm saying? You feel me, Helen? Mia? Am I saying Mia or Maya? Can I want to say your name right? Sometimes you—I've seen you say you see names on Facebook all the time, but it's like how to say them throws you off. Um, so let's see what what you say up here. This blessed me because I'm a first time author. I wrote as God instructor, but now I'm like, what? Yeah, see, that's what I, I'm happy. Me, uh, me. <laughs> I love that you literally sounded it out for me, like Mia. Thank you so much. Thank you, Mia. Um, Thank you, Miss Bridget. I appreciate you as well. I want y'all to understand that regardless of what you've gone through in your life, there is value in you. So when we talk about just write the book, we're not telling you to just write a book just to be writing a book. When When we're saying write the book, we're saying because what the enemy wants you to think is he wants you to think that there is no value in you. He wants you to think that you ran down, run down, and used up. And I'm going to tell you something that's beautiful about human beings. God made us so durable. He made us so resistant. You ever had, I'm going to tell you, you ever had like a water, I got this little waterproof uh, Calvin Klein jacket. I usually take that with me when I travel. It's one of my favorite jackets. I need it in a different color. I got it in black. I need, I like to have stuff in black, white, brown, gray, cream, and blue. I like to have, if I really like something, I try to get it in like six colors so I could wear it with anything. But I got this water-resistant jacket, and I was traveling um last week. Me and my wife went to San Diego, and we out there. It's like, oh, it started raining a little bit. I'm like, ooh, I pull out my little jacket because that jacket, you could ball it up. You could throw it in a backpack. You could put it in your luggage. But when you take it out, it's like it don't really wrinkle because of how the material is because the material already kind of looked wrinkled. But then when it rained, it's water resist. That rain just float on off. Float on off me, rain. Float on off me, rain. Yeah. Float on off me rain, you can't touch me rain. You ain't okay. What am I talking? I'm just making a song. Float on off me rain, float on off me rain. That jacket is like us. Yeah, you'd have been crinkled up. You'd have been dragged through. You'd have been thrown around. You'd have been thrown in the backpack. And what the enemy wants you wants you to think is after going through all that, you can't be worth nothing. You can't be worth nothing now. But God is amazing because that jacket, just like Calvin Klein, who I don't know if Calvin, I don't think Calvin made the jacket. What do Calvin Klein look like? Who is Calvin Klein? Who is this guy? People wearing his name all over. They got the, the drawers with the thing. Come on. Who is Calvin? I don't know what this man looks like, but I got his jacket. When they made that Calvin Klein jacket, they made it with a certain material to endure certain situations. Somebody repeat after me and say, when he made me, when he made me, when he made me, when God made you, he knew what was in you. He knew what you would go through, what you would need to endure. But he also knew that just like that jacket, you could go through that stuff. You could be thrown around. You can, and you thinking why me? And he like, cause I know what's in you. I made you for that. We got an episode for it. I got an episode for everything. If you go to Apple Podcasts and go through the Inspire Guys People archives, you will find an episode called Built Lord Tough. Just remind me about that. Built Lord Tough. It's how he made you. Let me see what y'all talking about in these comments. Are y'all, here, y'all here laughing at my foolishness. Listen, I ain't never seen Kelvin ever in my life. Who is that man? When he made me. You feel what I'm saying? Listen, y'all got to understand, God literally is not surprised. Like, when it rains and I put on that, mmm, why am I about to say this? It's that jacket. I don't get surprised when that jacket defeats the rain or repels the rain. I wear that jacket because I know it's going to rain. What
0: are you talking? Are you preaching on a podcast?
1: Are you doing this, Jermaine? I wear that jacket because of what it's made for. When you went through what you went through. That's why God blesses people the way that he does. The Bible says to whom much is given, much is required. And sometimes we want to be given much without the requirements. But just like writing a book, hey, some of the best books, think about some of the best movies. They got the worst villains. They get they were saved from the craziest situation. Imagine this. Imagine I make a movie, and here's the movie. A guy is born. He's born rich, healthy, has all the money, has everything he wants. He grows up, never has a problem. No bullies in school, no problems, no doubt. He's confident. He's beautiful. He has everything. He's tall. He's handsome. Mary's the best girl in the world, loving parents, grandparents, everybody in his family stays alive for the rest of his life. And that's the movie. Now, you know, what's crazy as beautiful of a life that that seems like there's nothing to overcome. Nobody watches that movie. Nobody reads that book. Like that guy, I don't even know how happy he really is. Like, if you really think about it, it's like when I play a uh like you ever play a game or something like if I play um, Madden, if I play a PS5, I'm playing. I want to beat the other team, but I want like I don't want to play my my six year old niece in Madden because I know I can beat her. It's not going to be any fulfillment in that. The weird thing about life is that we have to go through stuff, y'all. We literally have to go through things in life. And. That's what makes the story so great. That's what makes it so powerful. Y'all feel what I'm saying? The jacket survives through the storm. It was made for it. Y'all feel me? So just like we were created for a specific pers- purpose like that jacket, the shirt can't can't fulfill. Ooh, now you what the Oh Mia, you gone. The shirt can't do it. The tank top can't do it. The hat didn't do it. Like God made you for a specific purpose and there's something that he wants you to do in this world. And there's other people. Let me tell y'all the absolute most amazing aspect of being able, being blessed to do this podcast. It's the people I connect with. I've interviewed so many people, so many amazing people that I don't even want to start naming people. You just got to go through the Apple podcast archives and now the YouTube archives and start looking at, you know, the people we've talked to, but every time I talk to somebody, it's like, it makes me better. And that's a, that I'm like, that's a gift. That's a blessing. Even the things that I went through, I remember, you know, growing up and I, I remember growing up on the East side of Detroit and knowing in my heart that I didn't like where I was growing up in my situation. I ain't saying all the East side bad or it's bad to live in Detroit or something. Don't take me wrong. But in the situation I was in, the neighborhood I was in, I was like, I like this ain't it for me. And it's still a dope neighborhood. It's still dope people there. That ain't like, don't take what I'm saying wrong. But sometimes, you know, when something ain't it for you or when there's more required of you. And so many times we, because we don't want to hurt other people's feelings, we don't go where God is telling us to go. You feel me? And so, um, look, Mia, like, yeah, I'm fr- I'm from the East side. I look, we all are half of us on this, on this uh, podcast right now, probably from the East side, to be honest, um, <laughs> as we should be. But my point is like our environment is so important. Somebody, I think Lydia, somebody said it earlier, like, you got to get in the right environment. You got to talk to the right people. So so here's the one thing that I that I've learned growing up um in the inner city and being from where I'm from. There's a lot of amazing people in the inner city. But just like anywhere else in the world, there's also a lot of toxic people. And so you have to be very intentional about who am I going to be connected to? Who am I going to listen to? And I know we don't always want to talk about this stuff. But sometimes it's literally a life and death situation. And what I mean by this is like, I know friends and I have family who have literally been murdered, who've been killed. And when you review the situations and you look at the people they were hanging around, as unfortunate as it is, you start being like, Jesus, could we have seen that coming based on like just simply based on the people that were around them? Because the people around you, let, let, let's make it real plain, y'all. Let look, all of my eastsiders on here. I see y'all. I see y'all. Let's make it real plain. If, let's say, if I'm around a bunch of people who want to, you know, start a business. So I grew up around entrepreneurs. All my friends, entrepreneurs. They' daddies, entrepreneurs. Like maybe even the people who ain't an entrepreneur, they have dreams when you are around those type of people, you tend to become that type of person in the same way. If you are around a bunch of criminals, a bunch of people who want to kill, steal and destroy, they don't want to do nothing good in life. They lazy. They don't have no ambition, no motivation. Then eventually you start feeling, I'm going to speak for myself. When I'm around negative people, it starts draining me. I start carrying the weight and feeling the weight of the negativity. Like, so for me, I'm all about inspiring guys, people growing, self-development, success, um trying to be better trying to live a righteous life as much as I can like I'm all about that when I start getting around people who are anti all that I start being ooh I can't do it like I start feeling it it's like a burden I'm like ooh oh y'all don't want to do nothing oh y'all want to be broke oh you oh you don't want to be financially free Oh, you don't want to understand sound doctrine in the Bible. So you just want to go to church, scream and holler and remain in your situation for 20 years. Like you never actually want to understand what it's like to be blessed. You never want to understand what it's like to go to the promised land. Did you read all them chapters in Exodus and the book of Joshua where people were traveling through the wilderness, going up against all these obstacles and situations along the way to get to a promised land? of milk and honey. I want some milk and honey. Oh, I want some milk and honey. Uh, Don't try to keep it from me. Hey, I want that milk and honey. Devil try to keep it from me. Hey, woo, Uh, I want that milk and honey. Listen, y'all, you don't all understand, like, you got to understand the whole Bible. All right, right, let me say this. This this is important to me because I think we do two, we go to two extremes with the Bible, okay? You have, on one end, you have people who want to make the Bible, like, just all, like, I'm not saying the Bible, not spiritual, follow me. They want to make it so like deep and spiritual that a normal person can't understand it and you can never achieve it or accomplish it. And just everything just deep, just play the deepest music. It's like, oh my God, like, okay, y'all are really going in right now. Like we, I'm just a normal person. I'm never going to make it in this situation because this is just mm, too deep. Uh, only, oh my God, only the man of God can, oh, I can't pray to God for my, like some people want to overly complicate and make it super deep. And then on the other end, some people want to miss all of this important and make it too shallow. And they want to think, I can make a scripture mean whatever I want it to mean. No, there is a thing called sound doctrine. I believe in reading the Bible in a sound fashion, really trying to understand what's actually happening in the scriptures, not making it super deep. Let me give a practical example of what I mean when I say that, because. Um. I I just want to be clear what I'm talking about when I, when I say making it super deep, cause I don't want you to misunderstand it when, when if you take, um, let's just take the, the children of Israel. Let's take Joshua's generation, right? This, this moment in time where Moses is actually, his life is coming to an end. They've traveled all this time to the promised land and now they're not going to, he's not even going to be able to see it. And Joshua has to step up and um you know take over and so Joshua sends these spies out at one point um to go and and kind of see what what's in- ahead of them and they meet they encounter this lady named Rahab and they go to her house and Rahab is a full-blown prostitute she's a she's a prostitute oh so they go to pros- uh, the, the the prostitute Rahab's the harlot's house and something interesting happens Rahab is very smart and alert and aware and understands, hey, I'll look out for y'all, and I'm paraphrasing. I'll look out for y'all as long as y'all promise when y'all come here and get the taking junk over and hurting people and and taking over the land that y'all will spare my family. All right, let's pause right there. So some people will try to use that and be like, God love the harlot. God, da, da, da. Okay, cool, that's true. But you don't want somebody to take that to mean that they should keep harloting. you got to stop the harloting, okay yes god we talk forgiveness i need it you need grace we all made mistakes cool god love you no matter what you did but he don't want you to keep doing it some people be in church screaming and y'all too de- y'all don't and they and, and this is where sound doctrine comes in it sound doctrine is really in my mind trying to trying to understand the word of god with not just good intentions Through like, cause that's not enough, but through, through the, the way that the author intended for it to be understood. But then you got some people that act like a harlot can't be saved. It's like, well, wait a minute. So if you out here, let's just make it, let's make it plain. If you out here and you've lived a promiscuous life or you've made mistakes, whether you're a woman or man or whatever, and you kind of feeling like, man, the church don't accept me because I'm, you know, living this life or whatever, whatever. All right, let's go through a process of a couple things. First of all, you're going to have to stop doing what you was doing that you're going to have, you're going to have to quit. Okay. But the good thing about it is that's what repentance is turning away from. When Rahab turned away, right? There was a reward for her, her family was saved. There was like, like there is a reward in living for God. Like I have a, I have an episode called living for God is not a punishment. I told you I got an episode for everything. So we just have to understand how to properly think through and critically think through the word of God so that we can catch all the elements in there. And then, you know, Rahab ends up, you know, that's, that's the bloodline of Jesus ultimately. So, um, was it, is that's Boaz's, that's Boaz's mother. I think Rahab is Boaz's mother off the top of my head. Um, hopefully I'm not miss. Yeah. I think she's Boaz's mother. Everybody know about Ruth and Boaz. See what I'm saying? It's like, ooh, I want my Boaz and I want this and this. It's like, well, you know, his mama was a harlot. She had to get saved. You could get saved and change your whole bloodline. Now you might be birthing Boaz. You might be birthing the young man that is the, the great husband for a wife. Like this is what it's all about to me. It's about understanding, seeing ourselves in the word of God understanding it through sound doctrine so that we don't think that we should stay in our sin, understanding that we're human and we may struggle, we may fall, we may make mistakes. But we have to be careful out here when we preaching and teaching and influencing people and making them think they should live any kind of way. I'm going to say this last thing and I'm about to be out of here. This is why a meme, like, I know we want to preach through memes and through these social media clips. I get it. I feel you. But the word of God was intended for long form studying Bible study, think through it, pray through it, talk. The word of God wasn't made for 140 characters. It wasn't made for a 60 second reel. And the reason I'm saying that is because if I just give you this story that I just gave you in 60 seconds, you could take that and and make it mean whatever you want to. And that's why people, the word of God is so abused because we've minimized it to an Instagram or a YouTube short clip. I'm not saying those things are wrong. I upload them every day, but what I'm saying is that there should be more than the clip. So sometimes things go viral and it's like, just cause it's your opinion. Y'all feel me? Like yo, your opinion might go viral and be dead wrong. Like just cause you feel it. Don't make it the truth. It's like, bro, like I know that's what you think, but at the end of the day, like that ain't it fam. And so I just ultimately want y'all to know, man, that this journey, this walk through faith and purpose is really a process and you don't have to get it all done tonight. You don't have to define yourself by worldly success and make yourself think if you're not a millionaire by 30 or 40 or whatever, that life is just horrible because you saw this person on Instagram and they was a millionaire by 30 and my life is trash. Let me tell y'all something. We try to make it seem like a millionaire is the only way to be successful. Ain't nothing wrong with being a millionaire. But let me tell you something. Some of us, if you grew up with nothing. I mean, if you, if you were 250,000 there, you, you might be all right with me. You know what I'm saying? If you were 400,000 there, you know what? And you managing that the right way. You might be able to do a lot. God, God could do a lot with you. What I'm saying is. Let's stop letting the world define what success is for our lives. And then we won't be walking around depressed and mentally stressed out and things like some of this anxiety and all this stuff we're going through is self-inflicted. I'm not saying it all is, and I'm not a mental health professional, so I'm not trying to act like it. But what I am saying is that I am concerned that some of the pressure we're putting on ourselves is just because we looking at everybody else and we not measuring up to the idea of who we think that the idea It's just an idea. That's all it is. It's just an idea, y'all. It's not everything. Isn't reality that you see? It's clipped and it's it it's edited. It it has a filter, like. So we gotta we gotta really understand, man. That is that is definitely more to life, um for for us to um accomplish and go through, and that through all your struggles you have value. Y'all feel me, Chanel, Helen, like that, like. What I really want y'all to take away today is like, you have enough value to write a book. Like, yeah, yeah. You like, I know you don't think too highly of yourself, but there is value in you. And just like you overvaluing the next person. And that that's part of the problem is that we got to stop putting people on pedestals. Like, look, don't put me on a pedestal, bro. i be telling people all the time. I don't trust y'all anyway. Don't trust y'all. Don't need y'all to put me on no pedestal. Cause all you're going to do is build me up to tear me down. You're going to build me up when you think I'm a superhero. Then you're going to find out I'm human and you're going to rip me apart. You're going to cancel me because you don't agree with uh, whatever proposal I voted for or against. Now we just done like we live in such a toxic world where we don't understand nuance. And so I think it's very important to understand nuance and not jump to conclusions. Pastor Gerard Brooks. What up, brother? I appreciate you, man. Thank you so much. Um, I want to talk about this before I go nuance. This is something that's been on my mind lately. Um, we we really just we really just explored nuance when I talked about Rahab. What we want is we want everything to be black and white, micro microwaveable, ready now. Um, we don't want to understand that life has nuance. Y'all feel me? Love you too, bro. Um, but in life, sometimes it's not as it's not as simple or black and white as you want. And Sometimes it's like, all right, let me give you an example. You go to a Thanksgiving dinner, and there's two items you eat. There's a turkey, you eat some of that, and you eat the macaroni and cheese. The turkey was horrible. The mac and cheese was amazing, okay? But here's the thing. Here's the catch. Your best friend made the turkey. Your worst enemy made the macaroni and cheese. That's nuance. Maybe, you know, overgeneralized, but that's nuance. The nuance of life is that, yeah, I, in my mind, I would much rather the story be that my best friend made the best food and the person I hate can't cook. But sometimes in life, the person that you can't stand is amazing at something. They're talented. They're blessed too. And sometimes the person you like is like, Oh, her macaroni and cheese wasn't that good, but I like her personality but you don't just get rid of her because her macaroni and cheese ain't good. Just like, just because that person makes good Turkey, you don't make them your best friend. That's nuance. Why am I pointing this out? Is because sometimes in life you might have to live with the fact, Hey, you know what? I love his podcast, but I hate how he thinks about, you know, who his favorite basketball player is. I absolutely hate it. Oh, you know what? But I like the way he dressed, but I hate that he ball headed. Well, why is he ball headed? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, that's nuance. And so many of us overreact emotionally to where we don't, this is what we do. We just be throwing the whole person away. That Like, that's what canceling people is to me, y'all. Like, canceling people to me is like, well, dang, you just go. You say, if my man voted for whoever, you say, just don't wear his clothes, his shoes. Like, you say, just just toss him out, huh? Uh, we got We can't listen. I don't want to joke about it. I'll just say this, man. It's, it's some songs that people have made. It's like, yo, that's a good song. Now I, I know the brother sick in the head, but the macaroni and cheese was banging. Don't tell me if a crazy person makes some good macaroni and cheese, you ain't going to eat it. Cause they crazy. That's how we be. We be wanting to simplify life to this unrealistic level of everybody in the world is going to agree with me. Um, and if they don't, at the moment they don't agree with me, I'm done with them. I'm going to give you an example. Let's talk about Kyrie Irving a little bit. I'm not going to talk about Kyrie. Um, I mean, Kanye, I'm going to talk about Kyrie. Um, Kyrie Irving, and we're talking specifically about nuance. So Let me, let me calm down the triggered people right now. Um, this is not about me agreeing with Ky- uh, Kyrie or me saying uh, I'm not. One thing about me is, and this is, again, we're talking nuance. When I agree with a person, I might agree on one thing. I might disagree on something else. I don't promote people as like holistically. I promote this person, this person I agree with wholeheartedly. No, we're human beings. I don't know. That's it right there. People can be so extreme. So let's talk about Kyrie Irving. And we're talking about nuance. And I specifically want you to critically think through this. And again, this ain't about an Instagram clip. This ain't about going viral. I'm not about like like we got to get away from all that. This is us kicking it about nuance. So let's let's take off all the emotion and let's kick it. Kyrie Irving posted a link to a movie, and on on Twitter, I believe, and he didn't he didn't say he was for it. He didn't say he was against it. He just posted a link. From what I'm hearing, I didn't watch the movie. I don't have any desire to watch the movie. I don't have time to watch it. And I already know that I don't agree with uh, Kyrie's religious points of view. So there's probably nothing for me to gain from seeing this movie. I could just kind of take all of the context clues and come to my conclusion. So Kyrie Irving posted this link. I guess the movie, it sounded like, I don't know if it's some black Hebrew-Israelite stuff. It's probably some, you know, dangerous doctrine. It's They're calling it anti-Semitic, but I don't really... Always know what that exactly means, because when people try to when you start branding terms like I don't care what it is, Black Lives Matter, Make America Great Again, anti-Semitic. Like when something starts becoming branded, then I don't really know what it means because we just we label everything as that. So that's what I mean when I say I don't know what it mean. Not that I don't know what anti-Semitic means, but just I don't know what they mean with that film. So he posted a link and then this is what people started saying. We start talking about nuance. The NBA and the ESPN folks, they started saying, Hey, it's, he shouldn't be posting that because he has too many followers. He has too much influence to post that. That's dangerous. That's reckless, whatever. I said, hmm. Okay. I'm not agreeing or disagreeing whether or not I'm just talking about nuance. All right. So Kyrie posted this link and we say it's dangerous, even though he didn't say he was for it or against it. Now every single day of my life, I can go on the internet on Twitter. And athletes with millions of followers, they can post uh women twerking or dancing crazy. You can post alcohol, you can post smoking weed, uh, you can post lyrics to music that's talking about getting rid of people and getting them the heck up out of here. You can you can post your politics for abortion against it, whatever. Like, wow. But because he has maybe some extreme religious, religious beliefs. But does he not have the right to have it? But now because he posted that, we gotta, we can't wear his shoes no more. We can't. All I'm saying is this: hear me out, people. When I talk about nuance, if we copy and paste that logic to every person in life, we all done. Everybody's canceled. I'm gonna give you an example. Shaq, Shaquille O'Neal called Kyrie Irving an idiot on TV. He called him an idiot for what he's doing is dangerous. Okay, cool. Well, somebody said this was floating around the internet. I did not fact check this. So, uh, you know, this is just an opinion that was out there. If it's true, it's interesting. Somebody said, well, Shaq owns theaters and one of the theaters he's on, he owns played the movie. Now, even if that's not true, the movie Kyrie had to buy it from somewhere. I believe it was Amazon or Amazon Prime or watch it somewhere. Nobody, nobody said anything about Amazon Prime. Shaq sitting here calling him an idiot, and it would be really ironic or oxymoronic if his theater actually played the movie. So now that we we can't eat a shakeroni pizza now? No, man. My point is stop doing this, y'all. You got to chill on this. All your clothes, they made in China. Right, do an internet search on China and U.S. and government. It, man, China, they trying to take over, bruh. You think listen, this is one thing about American people. We so naive because we think the world let's love every This is the love. Yeah, that's the right mentality to have. But don't think everybody love you just because you love them. So these other countries, they want to be number one, bro. They don't like you. You're going up. They don't like you. It ain't like that, bro. They trying to get you up out of here. All my clothes, say might made in China. So if I if I find read a read an article and China, did something crazy, which China has done a bunch of crazy stuff. So. If if I read something and say China did something crazy, L- let's throw all the clothes away. Now nah, what are we gonna do. Y'all ain't making no Cal- Calvin Klein. I don't they, Calvin ain't making no clothes. Where are you at? My, who, where, oh um, Calvin got they in China in the Chinese factory making them. My point is life has nuance. When you try to minimize people and you know sum them up based on one thing you disagree with and throw them away based on one thing. What you're also saying is that you be, you deserve to be thrown away if you make that mistake. Now, don't get me wrong. I also understand that there are levels to stuff. So I'm not saying like, um, that someone never deserves to be punished or reprimanded for something that they do. If they hurt somebody, like we ain't talking about violence. Listen, remember what I said. Kyrie Irving posted a link. That's deep to me. Even if I disagree, this isn't about whether or not you agree or disagree with the link he posted. The thing that's concerning to me is who gets to decide if it's 5 million of us on on a, um, on a platform, it's more people than that. I'm just giving an example. If 5 million of us was in a room, you're not going to get all 5 million of us to, to agree on a topic. That's why we just had elections last week and some people, 50 million people voted this way. 50 million people voted against it. Uh, the, the they won by 1%. Most, most elections are won by a small fraction, which means there is almost equal amount of people on both sides. So who gets to decide that your opinion is fact? Kyrie Irving liked this documentary. I'm sure it's millions of people out there that agree with him and they like it too, regardless of whether the fact that I don't disagree with his religion, religious views, or whatever it may be. It's people that believe that. I mean... I just don't get the idea of canceling everybody because eventually it's going to be you. That's my point. Here's what I want y'all to take away. I think there's value in you regardless of what you've been through, regardless of what mistakes you made, but the world wants to cancel you. The world is saying to you, you got to think about the pressure that cancel culture puts on you. Cancel culture basically says, You have to live the rest of your life 100% perfect. In the moment that you don't, you're worth nothing to us. We are all against you. I don't care that we liked your movie, Uncle Drew. I don't care that we bought all your shoes. And last week, we was in the stands cheering for you. And when you want to hit the big shot in Cleveland for the championship, you was the best thing ever. We will turn on you the minute you post the link that we disagree with. Not because you said anything. Here's the, oh, here's the other idea I want to talk about with that, with nuance. People are holding Kyrie accountable for the content of the link that he posted. That's deep. That's extremely deep. So imagine you post on Facebook about a movie. You post about an episode of Power. Okay, I've seen a lot of people talk about Power. I've actually never watched Power, but a lot of people post about Power. So if I turn on that episode in power and there is anything in there that is hateful, wrong, or sinful or whatever, I get to judge you and hold you accountable as if you're the producer. That's insane. So remember, I'm not dealing with whether or not the content of the film is, it seems like everybody's focusing on that. The, the content of the film is hateful. Okay, cool. But we got to live life with nuance. Sometimes things are going to be coming off as hateful or offensive. That's going to happen. There's no way. And I'm not saying that you should just go around offending people. What I'm saying is life has nuance. Two things can be true. The fact that this film is, it could be potentially hateful can be true along with the fact that Kyrie Irving should not be held responsible for everything in that film because I've never heard that logic anywhere in the world ever. I've never heard that logic used Ever. If you post a link, you're responsible for every ounce of content within it. Who can live up to that, fam? Anyway, I appreciate y'all for rocking with us tonight, man. This has been Inspire Guys, People to Podcast. If you enjoy this show, please like it, share it, subscribe. Whether you're on Facebook, YouTube, every single day, just about. I post short clips um, to inspire you, um, segments of the show. Um, segments from our guests and our interviews so please subscribe to inspire guys people on youtube and tell somebody about this podcast man hit the share button hit the share button hit the share button and subscribe so you can be rocking with us all the time this is what we're about self development growth and look nuance we understand that life has nuance man none of us are perfect we trying to live for god do it the right way but we're not just going around casting stones remember jesus said let he who is without sin cast the first stone. So let he who is without sin cancel me first. Like, if you without sin, go ahead and cancel. And it's funny that the church carries the title of being judgmental, but the world is going around canceling everybody acting like they're God. I think I've said more than enough today. More, more than enough. Follow me on that. Say, I think he said more than enough. Y'all have an amazing day. Stop saying what you gonna do till you do what you say you opened that Bible, you knew what you read. You felt it deep in your soul. The promise did not expire. Be inspired. I can see beyond the tears you cry. And the pain you feel. I saw every hill you had to climb. Just